the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 275 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. I've got Dungeon Master's Guide. I've got 12-sided die. I've got Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler too. on the wall My favorite rock group kiss I've got Ace Freely I've got Peter Chris Waiting there for me Yes I do I do What is up my friends This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast and I'm your host Dan Tom Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do you here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's for the fight, recording this Thursday night before UFC Vegas 75 in Singapore, UFC 275, I should say, Teixeira versus Prohachka. Um, going down in somewhat the normal times uh, of wherever you're watching from around the world, and as normally here, I'm going to break it down to you from top to bottom. Check the show notes for when that starts. going to have a quick couple notes, a recap of last week's show first, which will also go, as per usual, from top to bottom. But check the show notes, whether you're on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for the five-star ratings and positive reviews. Those things actually help now more than ever. I need to be good about going over doing it. Some podcasts I've been listening to. Uh, I think I still need to go do that for, like, the Couchside Judges podcast. And I... Pretty sure I already did it for like, you know, my guy Aaron Brownstetter's TSN MMA show. See, I'm getting these shouts out here as well. Um, so uh, if you didn't do it for my show, feel free to, and feel free to do it for uh, all the other podcasts that I haven't mentioned. Plus those, you know, whatever you like, folks. I'm just shouting out what I like. Um, and of course, at the very end of the show here, I will uh, recap my picks and plays at the very end from top to bottom. But yeah, always check those show notes, which you can also find on YouTube. Um, trying to get more video on there. It's a process, but thank you guys for subscribing and supporting me nonetheless. I don't really deserve it, so I don't shout it too much. But yes, uh, now more than ever, the like, shares, and all that stuff, subscriptions to the YouTube channel would help. Daniel Tom, MMA. Um, yeah, no longer doing uh, gambling this week. A slight change at the intro. Um, with uh, Odds Checker, uh, I decided to part ways. Um, hopefully... It's, it's just me and not too many others. We'll see. Um, but uh, that's just the nature of the game, so no violence here. Um, it just, um, yeah, it's just funny, you know, just trying to stay stay up, eating positive. Um, you know, my girl's been going through some work stuff too, so I've been trying to just help her out and be supportive there. But, uh, but yeah, man, it, it um, you know, it, it, it always sucks. But I'll tell you, to spin it into a positive and, 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 and to kind of apologize because it was very just jumpy this week with a lot of people, you know, publicly, privately, and I apologize for, but uh, just to, you know, as, as I am here, a little too honest for my own good, it just, it, it, it does wear on you and it's things I've said before, so I won't drone into it too much, you know, but the, this this space, it's not a rewarding one. It could really beat on you hard. And I haven't even been in it as long as some other people, right? And And... 
I've been doing the damn thing for, you know, publicly for over seven years, closer to a decade than not, I guess. Um, but, uh, but, and, and I'm not, and I'm a, a rook compared to so many, right? So believe me, um, not going to be on the complaint train, but just stating a reality that we all deal with in this industry. And, uh, and it was funny. I just kind of had like, you know, uh, we have our, our staff meetings over at Junkie and so many talented people there to shout. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, maybe because it is so talented, um, you know, uh, you, your boy's assistance, isn't that needed? You know, because everybody's so talented, so, so it makes sense. But uh, just perspective, you know, with, with my old no self-esteem and not getting too far into my other lengthy sample size of background that kind of creates this, this perspective of mine. But, um, you know, it's funny, you know, I just like, for the umpteenth time, kind of like pitch, like, hey, if anybody, you know, needs help with things and this and that, you know, let me know. Uh, you know, my door is always open as a resource, you know, especially to my colleagues, right? And you know, everybody's doing their own thing. It's cool, I get it. But it's like crickets, right? It's like crickets. And, you know, um, you know, it's, it's not throwing shade. It's just kind of stating the obvious that anybody with two eyes can see, you know. It's no different than me saying the sky is blue by saying, you know, uh, I'm not a, you know, not exactly sought out for to do things. So it, it's, it, 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 I'm, you know, between that and my no self-esteem, like between, I should say between having no self-esteem and between you know, just coming off of an, an, another thing where like you're offering your help for free to your teammates. Um, and you know you get crickets for that why on earth would anybody want to pay you to do things i mean you're offering to do things for free and people don't even want nothing to do with you dan why why the fuck why the fuck would strangers or people on opposite teams want to help you and and give you money and opportunity what what you're going to and you're going to ask for that <laughs> Okay, buddy. You know, that's what I'm hearing in my head because what I'm, you know, used to. So, um, just to see all the overwhelming support and stuff was just amazing, man, for me. Listeners, colleagues, um, people I consider friends, so it's not so surprising in that sense. Uh, and even just, you know, strangers or people just reaching out um, to offer opportunities. It was crazy. You know, some of you, you, you reached out yourselves with your kind words, which are greatly appreciated. Some of which saying, ah, this could be a blessing in disguise. And you, you, those of you said that were absolutely right. You were absolutely right. Um, it was a nice and needed reminder when your perspective can get very skewed for many reasons, right? And that's my fault, by the way. Like, I'm the fucked up one here. That's uh, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just stating things that are facts as to, for providing context for the statements that I say. And... For better or worse, I'm very honest with my statements on this on this here show, right? Um, <clears throat> for better and worse, and there's definitely the latter there, but I can't help it. What can you say? Um, but yeah, man, it's um, so it it was a real perspective adjuster, and just realizing just again how many talented colleagues there there are in, in this space and good people, and I, I need to not have so much tunnel vision because. Another reason why, again, I'm not throwing shade for anybody, not, you know, whether they're on my team or not, uh, podcasting, articles, media, non-media stuff, uh, like, uh, like, I get it. Uh, I, I, 
I'm a very busy person. I don't hide that. I, I maybe don't make myself the most approachable. Um, there's a lot of things. And again, these are on me here. I'm not throwing shade at other people. These, these are on me here, folks. So I get it. Um, so I, with this perspective refresher and the silver parlaying within the silver lining here is that regardless of what comes of, of, uh, up of this and new opportunities that are around the corner, which I'm excited for and I'm talking to people about in the process right now, so don't worry about your boy. I, I'll, I'll, I'll figure something out. Um, regardless of that part of it, um, I guess my reminder here is just to be, you know, not that I, I try to, I try to consider myself a very grateful person. I'm also trying to express gratitude, but um, I think I need to show more love to other people and colleagues in this space, and even ones on my own team too. Which you know, again, just been uh, not, not just reaching out to you know offer help, but just also just kind words that are overdue. You know, it's really really good people on the MMA Junkie team, and uh, and um, I'm trying to take my time to not just hit the retweet and share their stuff, but uh, you know, make sure I let these people know. You know, that they they're doing a good job. It's 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 a good thing. Maybe that's me getting re in touch with some of my again. I dare say, is someone with low to no self esteem. My my leadership sensibilities. Getting back in the gym. Um, I take a lot of I I take a lot of empowerment. You know, helping people and whatnot. It's a it's a bit of a you know. At least we're trying to drill in that competitive environment right now during the Train Alta program. We're doing some really fun wrestling drills that uh, my guy Justin Janes is taking us through. Uh, also, we have um, my guy there, Coach uh, Juan, uh, Juan Camilo, baby, UFC flyweight there, uh, running running classes. And again, it's always funny because he was, you know, he'll still <laughs> he'll still call me Coach once in a while. Because when he first started coming in back into the gym in 2012, that's when I was um, running some of the beginner classes during the weeknights um, at Extreme Couture. A decade ago, Jesus, Dan, you get no. Um, but um, but yeah, so you know, everyone's asking, "Are you going to compete?" And it's weird because it's like I'll be happy to get through this damn thing healthy. Um, and then uh, and uh, I actually take my first um, uh, day today. Uh, and you know, not everybody's going to make every day. It's a twenty-week program or whatever, and you got to pace yourself and whatnot. So I, I'm that's what I'm kind of just uh, doing to try to make it through. And while I am there, um. You know, just trying to be more of a, you know, that, that's what kind of Rich want, wanted me to go in as anyways, more of a kind of mentor. And it's just kind of natural with my space and stuff, you know, just, you know to just try to help and uh, be that. It's it's great, man. It's great. Just trying not to get myself hurt. I had to wrestle with, you know, just like the old old times where no one wants to go with big athletic dudes. And there's Dan Tom over here uh, who is uh, not athletic but also not afraid <laughs> for his own good. Um Doing pretty, did pretty good. Got a, <laughs> uh, got off some nice maneuvers. Although I will say, like I, I fucked up in this game we were playing, and like I got like two sweet takedowns to start. I actually scored the three points to win, except the first two points I threw myself out of bounds on these nice takedowns. So I just was like, oh yeah, position awareness is key. So, so folks, I stress that all the time because my ass is always. On the wrong side. That's right. I'm usually the guy getting backed up to the uh, border, uh, fence, uh, barrier, however you want to put it. But uh, it's it's been fun. I'm not gonna get too lost into that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, doing that program and whatnot. So, uh, but yeah, man, just just trying to. I'm very grateful. There's a lot to be grateful of. Well, I got a, there's a lot going on that's positive, and I'm just trying to remind myself of that and 
instead of getting pissed off, be there more for others. Um, and instead of getting pissed off, be a little more proactive, which I'll talk about briefly in the recap as we push on um, <clears throat> to the rest. Also, shout out to Tony from Clear. Uh, did a little betting preview for 275. Everyone support. Train Alta. All right, that's all covered. All right. 12.15, and we will go recap. UFC Vegas 56 recap. Went 9-5 and five in picks overall. Um, 0-3 in straight plays. 1-1 in, in props. 0-2 in round flyers. Um, we probably should have went 7-7, seven and seven, to be honest. I put in parentheses there because of, um, you know, scores and shakeouts, which we'll talk about, but not too much because it's, you know. Uh, we got to get on next week. This was a bad card. Everything's been beat to death. So, you know. Um, Volkov defeated Jarzino Rosenstrach. Oh, my gosh. Volkov. I just can't bet Volkov anymore, folks. I Every time I bet him, he doesn't show up. But when I don't bet him, he does show up. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, literally, I think the last four or five fights in a row, I've been on the wrong side of. I just can't bet Volkov anymore. He's toward the top of the list. I was trying to think of someone else, and... I think there's another name that we'll talk about perhaps here, but um, Volkov, definitely, man. Holy shit. Uh, you know, again, you know, it was heavyweights. It was, uh, you know, taking the plus money side and, you know, it was only a unit uh, exposure. Nothing too crazy to kick myself over, but just more just the Volkov effect. You know, he comes out and looked career best. Um, you know, which has been tending to happen with a lot of the people we bet against, you know. Uh, my, uh, Movzar uh, Ivloyev defeated Dan Ige in the co-main event, and I teased that it could be a repeat of uh, the co-main event from the week week before with the Ponzanibio Ponzanibio and Pe- uh, Pereja fight. But like Dan obviously didn't have a good third come on strong in the third round because Ivloyev, like Volkov or like Pereja in that fight, uh, all guys I took shots against, all right, dog shots against. Um, they just not only they show up, they show up at their best. Not you know, not only were they favored to win in the first place, and it was a you know it was a risky bet, but you know what? It, it, it's closer than than perhaps you could you know you could argue it's closer than perhaps the line is. We're on the dog side. Let's just take a shot. Uh, not even a full unit shot in this case, right? With the ege, even with the prop included, still didn't equal up to a full. So, you know, thank goodness for managements of some sorts, especially when you're getting bloodbathed. Uh, but it doesn't help that, um, you know, again, guys show up at their record best. You know, uh, you know, I'm not going to try to play violins here. There's plenty to be grateful for. But I don't think it's a controversial statement to say that I I am definitely not of the uh, the good beat type. You know what I'm saying? Shouts to my guy Dan Stubb, by the way. I love I love a good winner. Someone who can... You know, someone who wins wins in class can admit when they when they when they when they've gotten some some buy. And I think he was like saying something. Like he was like, I don't know if it was like a, a an exact or a rough estimate. But he's like, I feel like I'm twelve and one on these close beat decisions. And I'm like, Damn, man, that is like the opposite of me. Um, and then there's those fights where people will tell me that oh, it is a close beat, and then when it really wasn't. So that's kind of frustrating uh, too. But um. Yeah, man, always happy. I ain't hating if someone gets a beat. You gotta get what you can get in this game. It's a volatile game, man. Um, you know, I get them too, and I think the one one of them I got semi recently. I was like, yeah, you know, like, like if I would have gotten the home over Vieta uh, decision, you know, part of me would have felt dirty because I again I thought Vieta won, um, or you know, should have scored scored it for Vieta um, as they did. 
But at the same time, if I would have gotten it, you know, I part of me shouldn't have felt bad. I would have felt bad initially because I'm wired, but then it's like, no, because you got to take what you can get from this game. So no hate there, folks. Just saying that uh, I definitely <laughs> don't get them them beats. Um, and there was none of the beats to be had here, uh, by the way. That, that wasn't the case here, by the way. Mozart just looked great. Um, you know, they had a propensity to look great. He just happened to look like the best. And it's just, it's just that's always just a kick in the ass to me. It's like, okay, all right, I get it. Um, Lucas Almeida defeated Michael Trezano. I can't bump my chest about being right about something that I didn't bet, and I picked the wrong side of. But yes, in my defense, I, I smelt some uh, smelt some uh, trap. Uh, it smells like a trap. Um, a Trezano, and uh, it it was Corinne uh, Silva defeated Pollyanna Botelho. Again, you know, I picked Botelho. Um, I didn't play it, but. Uh, it, uh, even though I didn't play it, it feels like a loss. I was pretty passionate about this one. Kareem Silva did look better. She didn't like throw herself out of position with every strike like she did before. However, at the same time, you know, um, she was still fighting with her back to the fence. Luckily, Pollyanna Botelia was only like trying to do a Jose Aldo defense impression, but no offense. And the commentators were giving her a lot of love for it. And I, I get, you know, giving a lot of love for defense, but she, I don't know, Botelia didn't look as happy or as successful out there as commentary was leaning on. It just seemed like a really, you know, she came, all reports, you know, to fight in, in great shape and what you would want if you were a, a Batelio backer, you know, um, which there seemed to be many, and I don't blame anybody for taking that shot. You know, I picked Batelio, um, but I said if Kareen Silva does win, you, you hope she wins in impressive fashion because people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, and forget that she's facing at the end of the day, Pollyanna Botelio, which is part of the reason why I picked but didn't play there. And, of course, it was a first-round submission, which that's all she gets. And, you know, what people, they love, like, they're like, oh, people who get first round, um, you know, th that, that means we should just favor them more. Uh, you know, because we haven't seen them against better people or much less fighting into deep in the rounds and it's MMA, folks. So, this is actually really good if you want to fade Kareen Silva because even though you know, I love her curls. She seems like she's got a great attitude. Um, she definitely got some skills. That was a nice dart. So it wasn't like, you know, some dummy, like, just throwing right hand stuff, you know. Although it was based off of club and sub, so you wonder how much Patelio was really there in her decision making. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, you know, at the same time, like, you look at Korean Silva's record, like, it's first round subs all the way through. So that's kind of her game. So we really didn't learn anything new from that sense. So if people do the contender series, finisher, what's hot, young, all the typical normal shit, um, you're going to get a nice plant um, to eventually cash on Silva depending on the matchup. So keep an eye out. Ode Osborne defeated Zaruk Adeshev. Um, wasn't confident in this one, but it played out r roughly the way I said it. Oh, my God, my, my guy Ryan... Um, was it? We wanted a technical uh, breakdown of this one. I didn't get to go back and watch it, Ryan. I'm trying to get your podcast handle here. Um, yeah, I didn't go back and watch uh, the the hook, but I believe he hurt hit something after Ryan Payne at Ryan Payne thirty two. My man, listener and supporter of the show. There, I wanted to give him a shout regardless. Sorry, I didn't wasn't able to go back and watch. Um, to do a proper breakdown, so maybe we have to watch, you know, wait for that the next time either of them to fight, because then that'll justify me some time to go back and watch that. 
Um, not that it really took that much time, no, so I'm not making an excuse for you, buddy. But, uh, yeah, no, although in my defense, I did say the left hand and check right hooks were going to be the shot to watch out for. Southpaw versus southpaw. Um, so both are, are, are equally on the table. Um, Alonzo Menafield defeated uh, Askar uh, Mazarov. Um, I I think I was in transit. Again, I'm, I'm barely watching these. It's just so much to do these days. But um, So I, I was probably in transit or some shit. But, yeah, it looks like we were almost there to our round two, which would have helped kind of stop some of the bleeding, but was not meant to be. Uh, no issue with the stoppage, apparently. Herb could have stopped it earlier, from what I read. I wouldn't. I didn't watch it though. I can't say. Kovalkevich to lead to Felice Herrig. Oh, look at that! I picked the dog right, and um, uh, and of course it's the dog I didn't play that cashes again, right? Didn't that happen the other week too? Oh, that's a nice little annoying like extra. Mm, there you go. Um, shouts to Felice and her career. Um, always heard great things about her from uh, MMA Junkie George and Ghost. Um, and those guys, uh, you know, good judge of character, been around for a minute. So, uh, yeah, shouts to Felice, um, and congrats to KK. Um, Joe Selecki defeated Alex De Silva. Apparently this was the fight to, um, get upset about, uh, that people weren't exactly getting upset about, according to people that I respect anyways. I did not watch it enough to realize it. Um, but, uh, to, to tell you whether or not I thought it was a 10-8 for Selecki in the round that he did clearly take, and much less rounds one and three. So, sorry. But, uh, apparently that was the more atrocious one of the night, which, you know, I, I didn't say, so I can't see. I'm not, I can't get mad at Not that I mentioned to get mad at anything. There's enough of that. Damon Jackson defeated Daniel Argueta. Um... Yeah, that round two he went for, man. That round two almost cashed, and then he ran out of gas, but was still able to manage the win. That is Walton Goggins. Damon Jackson, um, that would have helped, but it was not meant to be. Uh, happy for Coach Safe Sayud and Fortis MMA, though. They've been quietly killing it, man, and uh, always happy to see that. Love me some Coach Safe Sayud. Benoit Saint-Denis defeated Nicholas Stoltz. Uh, bad dog shot, you know? Um again, you know, just uh, looking good in defeat is a dangerous thing, and maybe we'll talk about that later with Ameev and why that might make more sense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there was that, and, you know, small cage grappler, grappler who got to his game and was disciplined, which was Saint-Denis. That's usually a side I'm on, but um, perhaps it was the over, you know, narrative of toughness, and then the, you see the line, and everybody's talking about toughness, and I was like, ah, and I'm not saying that to throw shade. Like, I was talking to my guy Spencer, and I think he was even, like, Heidi Andral, who follows me as well, and I love Heidi Andral. I'm on the broadcast. She does a great job. Um, So, I again, it's one of those things I feel bad saying, and it's a reason why, you know, I feel like I, a lot of my colleagues, uh, you know, keep our resistance away from me or, like, scared. Like, like, you know, I come off, you know, more aggressive and testier than I really am, I, I think. Um, and I, you know, have unpopular opinions <laughs> that are, I don't think are that controversial, but just like, they're just things that either no one highlights cause that's weird information that's up my alley or nobody highlights cause they don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable for one reason or, or, or another or many. And again, for better and worse, um, I just, I can't help but, but share my thoughts on things and, 
I don't want to go full Dan Hardy and like, you know, dote on people's styles like Diego does himself a disservice for fighting the way he does um, and relying on toughness. Uh, and I tried to shout out people who can articulate this much better uh, than me. Um, the guys on the fight site who did an excellent panel. You had uh, uh, Iggy, uh, Chungus Khan, uh, Hacks, um, Zach Makovsky, of course, former UFC fighter, and I believe Tommy Elliott, I want to say, was the fourth. Either way, whoever the fourth was, probably somebody smart as well. And uh, they have a conversation on toughness. They can get into it better than me, but my basic thing is just like, there's plenty of other things that we can talk about, and I think that toughness is just one of those easy crutch words and crutch things to kind of when you're trying to fill space or looking for something to talk about. Um, and uh, when that's your main only UFC sample and main, you know, main thing that comes to mind is him showing toughness, air quotes, that becomes the main thing. And I just feel like, you know, that does a disservice to analyzing the fighters. And more importantly, it doesn't talk about uh, the fact that the, why did he have to show his toughness? Cause it's one of the most atrocious fucking stoppages, which that's much more worth talking about. And we lot these things like toughness and people think of it as a, as a badge of honor. Um, and sometimes you do have to get through and be tough. Don't get me wrong. It's that's, that's the name of the fight game for sure. But you know, it shouldn't be some kind of like lauded first, uh, you know, not that first option, but when you lot it so much, it almost, it really puts it in a forefront in the way that it shouldn't be in both the way that it's perceived and applied by all parties, most importantly, the parties inside. And as somebody who was a party privy to multiple head damage and one of my things was being tough, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't like seeing, I don't like priming the environment to encourage that behavior. I'd rather encourage smart technical fighting, which is another reason why I try to bring up um, certain things like, you know, body work, God forbid, um, which I guess we'll talk about uh, in two fights from now. Tony gravely defeated uh, Johnny Munoz. By the way, it was, it was excellent um, technique and discipline by St. Denis. Um, he should have won all his fights in the small cage. Tony Gravely defeated Johnny Munoz. Uh, this was the rare favorite or pass spot um, because uh, the opener didn't make sense and it was only getting tighter and I should have played it off of principle. Gravely was my pick. And uh, sure enough, just, yeah. He just made it that easy and that would have been nice. It was not meant to be. Um, Jeff Molina defeated Zhaoga Zhumagulov. Um, I didn't go back to rewatch it. People I respect, shout out to, you know, Couchside Judges, Dan and, and Scott, um, who, you know, are, are some of the some of the best out there as far as, you know, trying to, you know, have a level headed conversation based and tethered to criteria. Of course we all know Sean Sheehan, who's done the most work as far as the media side of things, putting together videos and such. So I always uh, tip of the hat to him, of course, for sure, the Sphere MMA podcast. Shouts to them. But um, I, I, the, I, I, this one frustrated me because again I picked Molina. I didn't, I didn't play it. So if anything, there's no, there's no betting bias here. I didn't bet Zhaogas, Jumagulov, who's, although he's had favorable breaks in Fight Nights Global, has had tough breaks in the UFC. You know, could argue some fights going to him. 
Um, this is definitely one. It's not a robber or anything like that. Like I said, wow, I had it for this. But just because I, again, I'm not a robbery guy and I hate when people say that and read the criteria. Yes, I'm on that side. But at the same time, you know, I didn't say robber. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to have fair criticism. You know, judges get way too much criticism and I'm definitely on that train. Um, definitely been respecting them, uh, uh, their job much, much more uh, as the years go by, uh, especially, you know, recently, as we all have been kind of, whether we like it or not, um, have been really having to focus down on this judging topic, right? I get it. But at the same time, let's not get, you know, a poo quickie mark meme where it's like, you know, a sensible uh, criticism, Elon Musk fan or whatever, jumping in front of the bullet kind of a deal. I, I don't want to do that either, right? Um, and so I will... You know, if I say I had it the other way, I will say it the other way. And if I surprise, then I will say I'm surprised. I don't think it was anything crazy here. Or a bad decision or whatever. Again, my things is less on that and more, you know, on, on the um, on the narrative here. Um, and it's just, my thing is, is like, and shouts to commentary because they actually did acknowledge the body work on the broadcast and as a broadcaster like one of one of my favorite things I, I love to hear and you know even though I feel like I'm just parting ways with my dream of calling a fight uh, further and further as the day goes by the one line I, I would always want to say if, if someone gave me good reason to is to the body you know because I, I love it you know like someone's hurt and it's just like a flurry you're feeling the end and then they go to the body to the body you know and it's and it's a big deal body shots they're not just accumulative they set up the impactful shots they also can be very impactful as you know they can shut you down they can get you piss and blood um all these things they can uh, stop people um shut down functions um you know you hit the liver um and i just i don't know i was just like tweeting like the other day i was like is like is body body work can't be this disrespected in other sports like not boxing i want muay thai or kickboxing those like that counts um you know, and should it sway rounds? And I know we get well. It says in the criteria, Dan. That, you know, uh, immediate is more cumulative. I'm like, well, yeah, that's true, but how are we applying that? You know, how how is that being interpreted? And and don't tell me it's straightforward when the thing is written vaguely, purposely, because there is a lot of ground to cover. It is nay near impossible, according to some officials, and I wouldn't agree with anybody who cites people who have said that. It doesn't sound crazy, um, but that being said, you know we 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 can't just point to the to point to it, you know, like it's some holy scripture, and, and let's not pretend that those are infallible either, right? Um, so you know, and those don't have multiple versions and revisions over the years either, right? Um, but you know, it, it it's one of those things. that's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but also, it says effective striking and grappling, and to me, effective striking. Someone's out striking somebody, but someone lands a big shot at the end of the round, but they didn't go down. Maybe they didn't even wobbly leg like Whit Whitaker does at the end of round four and Romero Whitaker too, right? Um, then it's all subjective. Shouts to Casey Leighton, you know. Uh, you know, we tweeted, you know, hot take. We don't know how hard things are. We're just guessing. You know, it's true. But when you actually, you know, what stops pressure off? Some people can chin bully. What stops pressure off oftentimes? A good body shot. Um, and then it'll set up a knockout shot or 
so forth. And um, I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, of course, if somebody hits a good headshot and it lands clean, I'm probably going to go, you know, if I'm giving an arbitrary one point for a body shot, okay, I'm probably giving in at least three for the head. So I don't think I'm not, I'm not disagreeing, nor am I, in my mind and interpretation, going against uh, the criteria. I am abiding by the criteria in that sense. I I am giving um, direct more than cumulative, but then sometimes direct is tricky too because, well, rocking someone is subjective if they're not doing bambi legs or actually going down, right? But if you get, you know, um, a cut all, all of a sudden, like, oh, well, that's damaged. That shows the shot landed. And shows that something landed. Maybe the outer stitching of a glove that can often cause the most cuts and eye damage is those kind of like thumb outside where it catches the corner there um like i you know do you know what shot that that cut came from you know what i'm saying and some people cut more than others darren elkins you just look at him and he starts cutting you know chandler cuts um and it's it's so superficial you know at the end of the day you you gotta know what the fuck you're looking at and criteria is a great guideline and bruising to cuts are excellent markers that should not be ignored. But to pretend that anything is an end-all, be-all with all the multiple context caveats and you're going to try to nail it to a criteria in a combat sport, let's, let's, not, let's, 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 let's not pretend we're dealing in black and white here, you know? And so many times... Whether it's Twitter, whether it's... And maybe a lot of this, too, is because I've been going to so much MMA decisions and I'm having to read. There's a lot of really educated comments, by the way. There's always educated comments. But there's just such a majority of people still citing strike stats. And nowhere in it does anybody ever talk about body work. Podcasts, anywhere. No one mentions goddamn body work. And so for me, it's like when you're trying to make these action-based arguments and you're pretending body work doesn't exist... and by the way, obviously, mo- most of these people don't think body work don't exist. But if you're not fucking ever talking about it, maybe it doesn't, you know? And um, that's why I want to talk to these judges because the one thing I will say, again, not just some heated opinion off one fight or one. This is multiple, many, 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 many years. This is, I'm not the only one who shares this opinion. Body work judges, MMA judges have just traditionally been allergic to. I would love to have a conversation with a judge on how they grade the goddamn stuff. Because Shumagulov, sorry, I'm ranting, the fight we're talking about was landing body work all damn day. Every round. And none of the rounds, none of the recaps, no one mentions body work. That's why I'm like, out here with like the Sam Kinison gift, like, Sayyid, Sayyid. You know, like, goddamn. Um, and it's annoying, you know. I get to see people like giving credit to take a shot. Dan's gonna talk about Caitlin Vieira and Yana Kunitskaya. You know, I gotta hear about people saying, "Oh, Yana Kunitskaya was punching when she had her back taken," you know. Um, and then we I bring that up because there was a similar instance, and I've seen people do this before, which is annoying, where one fighter has their back against the cage and they're throwing punches from a disadvantaged position. Sometimes, whilst being wrestled, see Gilbert Durino Burns versus Stephen Thompson. They have the punch off. Who is landing the more leveraging and effective punches? It's the guy who is pushing into the cage as opposed to the guy who's got his back getting pushed against the cage. Now, there are instances where... I'm not saying you can't land effective leveraging strikes with your back to the cage because there are plenty of instances where the better elbows and knees can and do come from the fighter pressed with their back against the cage. But as far as punching and kicking leverage, 
it gets shot to shit when your back's against the cage, much less when you're in a grappling position and your back's against the cage, right? And that's what was happening here. And he's doing, yeah, he's throwing his knuckles into it and they're annoying. And Paul Felder, he is, he's saying they're annoying and they are annoying on the broadcast. But I feel like people took that. And it's no fault of Paul Felder, by the way, but I I feel like people took that and they're like, oh well, they must that well that scores okay that's that's effective striking, and it's it's so annoying, um, to hear everybody from uneducated to educated people, like, and and maybe they're and they're not giving like a crazy amount of credit maybe, although that is one of the few arguments that I can think of for giving Molina the round accumulatively for everything that he did, um. But the fact that it's even getting acknowledged when body work, body work. It's not hard to say, people. It's fucking not. Can, why doesn't Kevra ever fucking get acknowledged then? Why? I have to sit here and hear, oh, he had his back against the cage while he was punching. That's effective strike. Oh, they, he had his back taken and was punching behind him. That, like the most unleveraging punches I'm hearing get fucking acknowledged by people. Nobody can mention body work. It's fucking bananas. That's my rant. Sorry to put you guys through that. And I wanted to go through this one fast tonight. And I got to get to sleep. But hey, um, sometimes you just got to talk to that. Now, in my defense, um, you know, plenty of people like the, the Sean Sheehan's, the Scott Fontana's of the world will recommend you reach out to judges. So I'm, I'm going to, instead of fucking complaining, um, and to your guys' ears into the ether, um, because... I feel like I'm one of the only media members, at least, like who say these things, and so I try to highlight them when I'm when I do the judges gonna judge thing. Uh, shout out to uh, Matt Wells, doing an excellent job with that over at Junkie, by the way. Um, but like in general, like you know, when we have like discussions, whether it's at you know Junkie or like the, the, the MMA media's members who have judges discussions on their podcast, like I. I they're doing a good job. They're doing their thing. I, I don't hear it there. I don't expect people to invite me on their show, obviously. But uh, it, I just, I, this little shit podcast, which I appreciate you guys listening, but I, I see the numbers. This little shit podcast um, is not going to do enough to get it out. And me screaming is not going to answer my questions. So it just feels like an exercise that's just wasting time. So. I'm going to actually ask judges, and I'm going to end this rant now. But, yeah, I'm going to ask them, how the fuck do they grade body work? Tell me it's at least being acknowledged. If you acknowledge it and say, I still give it to the other guy overall for his action, no problem. You acknowledge the body work. I'm, I'll fucking give someone my kidney. I one of my kidneys at this point if they fucking acknowledge body work. It's so goddamn rare. But, anyways, <sighs> Renat, you can fuck right off of that rant. Defeated Andreas Michalidis. Uh, decision, uh, Aaron Blanchfield defeated J.J. Aldridge. Um, tuned in right as that finished. Happened. All right. 38. <laughs> 59. Most of that recap was a bodywork rant. All right. Um, yeah, we got UFC Vegas 56. Or UFC Vegas, sorry. UFC Vegas 275. Uh Yuri Prokhachka, the challenger, is the favorite, minus 200. Glover Deshera, plus 170. Um, yeah, I, my main event in-depth breakdowns up there is at uh, MMAJunkie.com. Um, you check it out. Pretty much, yeah, man. Um, I get it. 
Yuri Prochacki can knock him out. There's a speed and athleticism difference. Um, if he's going to do it, my guess it's if it's aside from the obvious right hand, it's going to be an uppercut or a flying knee up the center or on the table for Glover to get KO'd. But I think this is the uh, late classic Glover getting rocked that we actually didn't get last time out. I kind of sadness hedged and and you know. Um, Went against my hat, almost opposite of the uh, Whitaker Adesanya 2 pay-per-view, where, again, two fights where I, I picked every fight on the card right, except for the um, main eventus, um, which both I at least smartly stayed away, you know, from my picks there, for, for what that's worth. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, Glover... His striking's not as great. Obviously, he's older. His head's still in the right place, you know, as we saw with striking with a guy like Blachowicz. Um, But I don't know if that's going to be enough to get his strikes there for this fight. Uh, what does help him, though, is that uh, although King Mo knocks Yuri Prochacki out with a right hand, really, if you go back and look, left hands are the kind of the common culprit because Yuri's always slipping and dipping hard to that side. And when Yuri does things, he does things hard. So when he hits people... They feel it hard and go down hard, but conversely, when he gets hit, he gets hit hard. You know what I'm saying? And left shots are what does it, which is why I took him against Dominic Ray as a, a multiple left-sided guy, especially a southpaw. Um, Glover not a southpaw, but he has that cleanup hitting left hook to really punctuate things. So if he doesn't get iced in the first layer of the exchange, I actually think he's better on the second and could hurt Yuri and, and turn this into a club and sub scenario. Um, <clears throat> however, his wrestling, even when rocked, as we've seen, I think would be enough to get Prohachka down. Prohachka has shown some improvements in his sprawls and positional floats, but ultimately his wildness um, can get him taken down, even when the opponent's not necessarily meaning to take him down. Like, again, with his fight with Reyes, where he almost lands in the mount just off of a clash because of Yuri's just wildness to throw himself out of position. So Deshera also doesn't even need a clean... Um, the cleanest of takedowns here. Um, and once on the ground, Prohachka will scramble hard to his base, but that involves turtling, and Glover is like the last guy you want to do that with. He can just still, even as an old man, you know, uh, he can float mount to back mount, as we saw in the Tiago Santos fight. Um, he'll pound you out, get the choke. Maybe he might just keep punching here, um, which is something to keep in mind, too. Or if he gets the, you know, maybe what's if he gets a surprising knockout again, you know, and Prohachka just jumps right into it, right? Won't be the first time um, Prohachka's been knocked out by a guy on the opposite side of, uh, you know, I mean, King Mo probably only had one hip and one knee when he fought him uh, because he only had one hip and one knee for, like, the last half of his career pretty much. Um, Mo Loki just fucking a lot real injured, and you can just tell the way he moved and shit. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'm going to go with Teixeira by the beginning of the second round, either end of the first or beginning of the second, which is dangerous because I think like six out of his last eight fights went over and I think nine or like eight out of his last 10 or something like that. If you do the math on Teixeira's fights. So, so the under is kind of scary. The under seems more like a thing for Yuri, uh, betters under one and a half, but since my original hedge of under two and a half, which was rock solid, I pay chalk for that. Um, it wasn't offered in the houses that I play. It made me make a tough decision. But you know what? My analysis led me 
to um, Glover, which I put in writing, getting it done by the beginning of the second. Yuri fights again. When you when you throw hard and you dip hard, um, it creates for hard results on both ends of the spectrum. But that pace and that pressure that Yuri puts on, um, it's going to turn the cooking temperature of this fight up for better or worse. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and let's be honest, Yuri Brahachka, even though it could feel disrespectful to, you know, have the sitting champ almost a two-to-one underdog, um, even though he didn't open that, um, I don't disagree with Yuri being favored. He could certainly ice old Glover in the first which is why I ended up pulling the trigger as the numbers were fleeting as they do by the end of it. Oh, you beat the line, fuckers. Congratulations. You beat the line. Beat my dick, too, while you're at it. God damn it. Uh, sorry. I can just, you know, it's me being upset walking in at the end of the gangbang. I missed it. You know, there's just a bunch of Coney Island white fishes on the floor. Some weird dude going through tapes in the corner. Damn, wow, that sounds really oddly specific. Uh <laughs> No, but like, you know, I just, uh, you know, there's, I don't even want to touch anything in this room at this point kind of a deal. Like, there's a lot of that with the lines. Um, but I was able to get a plus 100 still for, so I, I just put a unit on that. Um, I put a unit on Glover. If it goes over uh, and the under misses, well, that means Glover's chances only get higher and higher, right, the longer this goes. So that's not terrible. And then if Glover hits, then that's only like, I guess, the $75 profit. Um, so um, I was, you know, I was tempted. I almost wanted to go crazy and just put a whole... <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. I almost wanted to put like just like a whole unit on um, Glover round two plus 1,000, right? But then, uh, you know, I was like, you know, let's let Kalamate, Dan, Kalamate. You know, you've had some bad nights, some not great ones. You're due for a good one, that's for damn sure. Careful saying that, but, you know, I, I do feel it. I do feel it. But, uh, you know, you don't want to overdo it. So what I did was I used a free play for $15. It's more realistic there. It's for 150 bucks, pretty much return. A 1.5 unit return there. And I don't have to risk anything at all in one house because that was my free play I used. And um, since I saved 15 and I was probably going to do 17, I figured play the median, carry it over. Uh, and I wouldn't play my full unit, obviously, or even a half a unit. But the house that I did have to pay for it, uh, I put 0.33 units. If that mental math I just spit at you made sense. So instead of doing the half that amount, I doubled it because, again, it's being covered with the free play and the other. And, uh, I don't know, I, just, like, I had a feeling on that round, too. And all three of them could still cash, right? Because, again, I called Glover to get in the first half of round two. That would qualify for the under, and obviously the Glover money line. So, the way it breaks down, you know, if Glover loses and Yuri knocks him out, well, then, you know, it, I make it back with the under in one house. And may, maybe I'm just just a little short in the other, right? But uh, I, I ease some of the pain off. So that's how I have it worked out in my head. That's how I'm playing it. Next fight, um, Valentina Shevchenko minus 630. Tyler Santos plus 450. Um, yeah. Um, I, I guess this is Santos earning respect, probably for like the size and athleticism and the record. But 
we know that records are overvalued in MMA. You know, we know how people ogle undefeated or close to undefeated records, right? Um, Santos has not fought great competition to get to the belt, especially if you like pick and shoot. Even you look at like you know, Joanne Wood, married, kind of foot out the door, maybe possibly, right? Not disrespect, love JoJo, just saying, you know, you gotta, that's her best name. You got to kind of put that in a somewhat of a context as well, but not overly play some narrative. I'm just saying, keep yourself honest. Um, and you look at actually what she really does and she counters, which could make this a very slow fight. Hold that thought. Um, she uses the jab pretty decently, but I don't think that's going to happen against the Southpaw because most fighters forget about their jab with the Southpaw and the few Southpaw looks she has. She'll go to front teeps, open head kicks, and then kind of cross-hook counters, like what she did with McCann. The McCann actually had some success from Southpaw, so something to watch out for. Um, and she likes takedowns against the fence. Big cage. Shevchenko, she can fight on the outside. She will have her chance, but Shevchenko, you know, that clip I posted of Maya where she reverses things in the head position, she's just so much more advanced, so much more technically skilled um, than Santos. And Santos, she goes for like the same takedown each time. Um, and it's one that Shevchenko uh, knows as well and does as well. So it's one of those things like, okay, if this person does the same thing, got to imagine they know the defense for it. And Shevchenko, just a better wrestler, better defense, um, athletic, stout. You know, I know everyone's talking about Santos's athleticism, but like Shevchenko may probably still going to be the more powerful hitter and faster fighter, so... Uh, and then as far as where that strength counts in the clinch, um, Shevchenko, obviously strong there. Like, when I watched her Muay Thai footage from back in the day, I always told you guys, like, that's what stood out to me most. She just would dominate girls, like, with disdain um, and, like, wrestle them in Muay Thai. So you see where it comes across. She also, I don't believe I have the rank listed, but um, I want to say she's, like, a near black belt level in judo. Granted, it was, like, from when she was a kid and shit. But you see where that translates, that base, uh, as far as uh, the clinch and, and being really tough to maneuver there, especially with the fence there. Um, so I could see her reversing stuff and Santos tiring herself out to get things done. And if she does get things done, I imagine she's going to take a lot of energy, A, to get Shevchenko there, and B... Um, with Shevchenko's guard especially, I don't know if she's going to be able to pass or risk too much to pass. Um, so I don't know how much meaningful ground and pound she will still get off. So she's going to have to give a lot to get her down and to still win a round, in other words. And even if she does get her down, and even if she does eke out a round that way or two, how much does that tire her for rounds that she's very unproven in? Four and five, right, once we get there. Um that being said, she might not tire herself out because I suspect we get a staring contest, folks. Um, Santos, she's fought at Bantamweight before, but just fought at, like, cans and stuff, right? You look at the record and whatnot, and it's like, she's really going to be in there with, like, a complete new level. But she's pretty good herself. She looks pretty durable. She's got some power herself, so maybe they just scare each other off, and it's just, you know, a boring... And if it's a ground fight... I think Shevchenko is the better wrestler, but no matter who's winning the wrestling, I don't see a lot getting done, and they're going to have to work hard to get a lot done, which, you know, makes it for an uphill battle, a real slog. Um, so I picked Shevchenko by decision. I actually played the over. I should have played it earlier in the week. That was kind of an annoying thing about uh, getting laid off this week. I didn't find out until, like, Tuesday. 
uh, Tuesday. I hate Tuesdays always anyways. Um, but um, with Singapore, shout out to Abby and Mike. Again, part of the talented junkie team we have out there in Singapore. They're doing the road to the UFCs. So they're going to be busy. So Abby's like, yo, can you get me uh, breakdowns early? So like I got my shit done on Thursday night, you know, working out all week. You know, I finished my first week, didn't miss a day at the Train Alta, and I reward myself with watching some Tyler Santos footage for my Friday, baby. How about that? Anyways, I get my breakdowns and shit done, and, like, at that point, I'm like, I'm already kind of, like, eyeballing my plays, and I could have got the over then for a much better price. Um, I could have got some other things for a much better price, too, which we'll get to on the main card. And, of course, again, fucking sticky floors in the gangbang, I'm so used to not making my plays till later, which is probably how it's going to be anyways, but this was a week where I was prepared, and then with not having to be beholden to a betting play sheet that I play the lines that I put out, like this was the one week where I could have fucking really guilt-free played some early shit. That was kind of annoying too. But anyways, uh, I ended up taking the over 3.5 for minus 165. I could have got it for minus 150, and the annoying part was not only did I miss it and have to like buy it, for like a much higher price, uh, minus one fifty instead of getting minus one fifty or below or whatever it was, it was minus one sixteen. And when I go to hit fucking add, it goes new odds. Do you accept? And it's minus one sixty five. Like just to, again, just to stick it in that much more. You know, like I knew, I knew betting against an undefeated Russian what could happen in the co-main event, but does the guy really got to come out and have his like best best performance? You know, I know what it's like to lose on a Volkov fight. Does he really got to come out and just have his best best? You know, it's just like I just. Because losing isn't enough. It's just the universe has got to, not only not going to give you the beat, Dan, I'm going to stick it in extra, even though the job's already done. Thank you very fucking much. We'll see if uh, paying that price hopefully guarantees a cash. I put a whole two units on that just because I was fucking pissed off with that. Um, instead of just doing the match 1.65, I did two units um, on the over there. That's my only play for the co-main event. Um, Zhang Wei Li, minus 160. Yoani and Jacek, plus 140. Interesting fight. Um... I went back and forth on this one, um, and I ended up picking uh, Zhang Wei Li. Oh, surprise, surprise, Dan's picking the Chinese fighter. No, 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 on contraire, uh, I picked Yuan, I both picked Yuan Yin Jacek and scored it for her. And the breakdown as well, by the way, came out after she did the racist uh, Instagram post. So believe me, Dan Tom was going to play that card. Again, even amongst fucking xenophobia and the rampant Chinese racism or whatever, homophobia, because there's... Shouts to Jeff Molina for that, by the way, because, like, I complain about xenophobia, but, man, gays and trans have been fucking under attack like crazy, man. Like, talk about taking step backwards with progress. Those poor folks have been fucking uh, paying that price, unfortunately. But, yeah, like, no, even in the heart of that, folks, I try to do my best and be an unbiased analyst, right? And I, I picked Yun Jacek to win. And I didn't bet her. And obviously I was rooting for Zhang Wei Li, so that wasn't the bias there. But and I wrote it down here in my rewatch. I think I scored round one for Zhang Wei Li. You gotta not listen to the Rogan commentary. Again, that's another thing people like acknowledge the commentary too, because now I, I see so much of that and I wonder how many people have gotten got duped by commentary and don't realize it. Maybe they do, but again, if you're not acknowledging the commentary bias when there is, if you're not acknowledging body work when there's meaningful body work landed, I have a hard time taking scores seriously. Because that tells me you're not acknowledging you might not you might have missed it. And those are key things. Um we got one I got one for Zhang Wei Li, two for Yoani and Jacek, three for Yoani and Jacek, four for Yoani and Jacek. 
and five for Zhang Wei Li, 40-48, 47, Ioana check um, was my score for that one. We saw a lot of um, Ioana switching to Southpaw, which she's been doing more, I want to say recently, but she hasn't fought recently. You know what I mean? In her most recent fights, you've seen some Southpaw switches. So I don't know how much of that was the light kicks, because there was a lot of like really practice stuff. She was like double attacking by middle rounds off of it. Um, pretty impressive, actually. Um but as we've seen, you know, left side availabilities are available for both girls. We've seen, you know, Yanin Jichik knocked out by a left hook, and that is Zhang, Zhang shot. She rocked Rose multiple times, which, again, you know, I'm always very critical. And, and again, like many things, I, I feel like I'm pretty good about acknowledging and keeping same energy. Uh, and for somebody who, you know, is, is not easily swayed by the, oh, she's rocked when Rogan says so, so she must be rocked, I would argue I'm... For as shitty as I am at many things, one of the better people at that. Um, that that was you know again, uh, rewatching Rose and Zhang too. Uh, that was one of the more clear. In, uh, again, it's all subjective, but if I had to guess, if someone was rocked when they didn't go down, like those felt pretty clear to me, you know. So, I'm very surprised how that plus as well as the overall body of work, you know. Again, I'm scoring a, a round. It's like the circus carny game. You, shoot the water gun into the hole and it moves the horsey across, right? Even though I do count body shots, I don't overly count them. I'll count you know, more meaningful head shots up more and more points, right? The horsey moves along a little faster for those shots. Um, but yeah, I, that's kind of how I, I, I scored it. Um, again, no robbery here or anything. Just just being critical and, 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 and showing my work for where I'm criti critiquing. Um, but yeah, a lot of left-sided availabilities for both. That's going to be something to look for for this fight. Ultimately, I'm going to take Zhang Wei Li for her activity. Um, you know, I don't expect Yuana to like fall off like a Chuck Liddell, where all of a sudden she looks awful on the pads or something. You know, um, she's not quite as old as Holly Holm. Um, so, you know, I, I I think it'd be unfair to project that. But you know, again, where's her? You know, it's a long break like Holm. She's later. In, she is later in her career. No matter how we want to look at it, although I'm sure the recent title changing hands rejuvenated her. But again, it, I, I've got that A, that weird feeling, which I don't go off of a lot. But I got that weird feeling here. You know, Joanna, maybe not the same. And Zhang comes out and just smokes her, right? And we're all expecting a competitive fight, and we're trying to figure out who gets on the one side of it, you know? You figure Joanna sometimes takes the first rounds to read. They both know it's a three-round fight, so they both know they can't afford to do that. But what's natural, right? It's natural for Yoana to do that. That was kind of the talking point going in. But if you look at it, even though I gave round one to, to, to Zhang Wei Li, um, <clears throat> so you can kind of say, well, maybe she did start slow that fight. Well, she didn't. She actually starts off really fast. Uh, I gave it to Zhang based on the second half of Zhang's work in round one. The first half, Yoana um, and Jacek is 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 winning winning the majority of the exchanges by by, by my measure. Um, <clears throat> And uh, landing some really good shots and stuff. So that was kind of crazy. So if you go off of that, her fast start against Zhang Wei Li, her last fight, the same opponent, and the fact that, you know, I felt she won round two and three. Um, man, you could, you know, you could argue 29-28 uh, or 30-27 on that first fight, right? Um, but, uh... So, you know, oh, well, Jay, and you're getting Yoni and Jay check. You know, maybe you could argue time off for a veteran is not a bad thing, right? Um, you're getting underdog odds plus money. Like, 
But this feels like a trap. It feels like a trap. It feels like those things are too good to be true. This is a normally a spot Dan Tom would be all over. You know, Yoana and Jacek, you know, yeah, she's training with Cejudo Zhang, but like, even if she gets her down, Yoana and Jacek's got the single leg get up, baby. She used it against Zhang, and maybe Zhang will go more to the kind of cradle stuff, which is smart. Um, she kind of did in a different scenario. She went to a cradle, uh, uh, an outside cradle, uh, or actually it was an inside, but Rose was turtling up into it against Rose in the second fight. You know, that could be a solve, but it's, it's a tough solve to get. Someone that knows how to do a single leg get up really well is tough to deal with, believe you me. Um, and again, they're not scoring takedowns as heavily as they shouldn't be, right? So I don't know how much the takedowns are going to be a factor. Here's what's going to happen. This this could easily be like uh, Johnny Hendricks and uh, Robbie Lawler, where you got one fighter, you got the rematch happening, where one fighter had two fights between the rematch, while the other fighter had like you know, a big giant layoff for X reason or X reasons. And now they're coming back to the same match they had before. Right. Um, but I bring it up more in the sense of I scored the first fight for, um, Robbie Lawler and Johnny Hendricks won. And I scored the second fight for Johnny Hendricks and Robbie Lawler won. I think something like that, but I, I know I'm not the only one who did that. The opposites there, if that makes sense. And I scored it for JJ, right? And Zhang Wan. So I could totally picture Zhang Wei Li winning this fight and Yen Jacek getting a controversial decision. Semi-controversial. Um, that being said, my ultimate pick is actually for... I got a, a weird inkling for Zhang to beat, beat her inside the distance, possibly to knock her out. Um, knockout, I think, is like plus 360 or something like that. I forget. What is it? Um... I forget, knockout's like plus 400. But here's what I might do if my night's going well by this time. Inside the distance is plus 325. And even though I can see a knockout, it could easily be a club and sub because if she rocks Joanna, right? I mean, Joanna tapped to strikes. Why, why, why wouldn't she tap to a submission, right? Uh, she's hurt bad enough, right? Um, and they're, they're putting a plus 1200 on Zhang by, by submission. And she always had freakish back takes, but if she's got better wrestling and is going to use it, and uh, can get to the back or, you know, just hurts her, clubs her. I think it could be a club and sub, actually. Um, maybe surprising, like rounds one or two, right? So that's actually what I'm going to pick. And if my bets are up, like if my parlay hits and some of the other bets hit, for example, I'm, I'll post it, but I'll, I'll sprinkle some Zang inside the distance and then a smaller sprinkle on sub, plus 1,200. Yeah. Even if it's not plus 1,200, I imagine it should still be at least plus 1,000, which is enough for me to sprinkle, sprinkle. Um, all right, next fight, Manal Cop, Rogerio Bontorin. <laughs> fucking Lance Michelin. Bontorin, <laughs> the Russian Christian. Uh, you got to listen to the MMA analysis to understand that, but now it's stuck in fucking my head, just like I get shit stuck in your head, folks. So it happens to me, too. Plus 180 for, for, for the Raging Cajun, uh, Bontorin. Um... Yeah, I was looking to do Kate Parlay piece, but then the more I watched it, I was like, ooh, I don't know here. Um, I feel like this could be one of those cases where, you know, everybody kind of put unfair expectations on uh, Manel Kep. And I think that, you know, then he kind of, you know, underperforms. And then he does what everybody thinks he should be doing by getting these knockouts, but 
people that have been watching him, even people that have been watching him, are a fan of him and even picked him against Jalgas, for example, were surprised of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the fact that he did it twice in a row at this level, um, stepping up even more. We've seen, you know, Bontarine iced out of nowhere. So I get it. You know what I'm saying? I get it. But still to to to, to be over two to one and to have the under chalked up that, that you guys are think that's going to be a finish, finish or finish, when I know that, you know, cop's been submitted. Bontarine is a really good black belt and a strong guy. Um, and they both throw power punches, but they are also both counterfighters. And Bont is the big cage. Bontarine fights off the back foot, and he can get level-changing takedowns. He actually does them really well when he commits for him. He's just kind of a bit low volume with them. He doesn't get after it as much as you would think. Maybe he will here. Um, you know, you see him kind of pressure after Kaikara France after a bit. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, game plan is, is getting after him. You see him get him after him there. Maybe he goes and does the same thing here. But he's got the big cage. It's a lot longer to chase him down, a lot more room for uh, Manel Cop, a guy who already moves well, to move well. Um, and it's going to come down to who has the bigger shots. And Monterin throws hard and he's more efficient. Cop throws hard and he's more flashy. So I'm going to pick Manel Cop to edge out a very nerve wracking decision. And instead of putting him in a parlay like I originally was going to do, um, I ended up playing the over because, again, that's the angle here, right? Whether it's 2.5, 3.5, plus money or chalk, the angle is Santos and Shevchenko are both counterfighters. The angle is Bonturin and Cop are both counterfighters. Cop um, was preparing for a wrestler. Uh, he spent his whole camp at Extreme Couture, so he's done two pretty much wrestling camps, uh, Vegas stateside. Um and really bragging about how well his wrestling's coming on and his scrambles. So if, you know, Bonterin does get him down, I don't know if he submits him. And if he doesn't submit him, I don't know if he does enough damage or is convincing enough um, to get the round, right? Especially if a cape is scrambling and making him work and is able to get back up to his feet. And you have to judge what happened before and after that grappling exchange, so on and so forth. We get a really greasy type of fight, right? So I ended up laying off Cape there, and I just put a unit on over 2.5 plus 110. Uh, next fight, Jack Della Madalena. Minus 155, Ramazan Amiv plus 135. Of course, I missed the plus money on Jack Della Madalena because all the early fuckers get at it, right? Uh, and then um, earlier in the week, this was a lie. He was down to minus 135, and I was just going to play him straight up because I'm like, you know what? You, you miss the dog money, but if you can get your ego over not being an early line boy, well, then maybe you can just realize that your side is still playable chalk. Minus 135 is more than reasonable chalk, right? If we're talking about playable chalk. But now when you get to minus 150, you're over. Even if it is minus 155, it's still over minus 150, which I, I don't like. It's got to be real um, undervalued chalk for me to like playing over that, right? And I, I don't know if that's the case because it's at the end of the day, it's a contender series guy versus a proven Russian. You know, like we are setting ourselves up to fall on our face if you're back in Jack Della Maddalena here, and especially myself with all the shit that I talk about proven products and contender series and be buyer beware, all this shit, right? But Jack Della Maddalena is one of, especially that 2021 Oprah 
uh, season of Dana White contender series where they're just giving contracts away. He was one of the few guys that actually really impressed the fuck out of me. He impressed a lot of people with an eye, a lot impressed a lot of people in the know. But what we don't know is the wrestling. What we do know, and he seems like he's got a smart camp, so hopefully they know, is that not only can Amiv wrestle, but he goes for the same thing. He does a lot of his stuff against the cage and against the clinch, but his entry is whether it's an orthodox fighter or a southpaw, especially a southpaw, because that right leg is going to be forward. He likes to go for low signals, snatch signals, some kind of variation where he grabs onto the right leg, will chain up to the body lock, will chain his takedowns from there, but it always starts from that same single. It's going to be right there as bait. Hopefully uh, Jack Maddalena knows how to, u- how to use it as bait because he fights just as much uh, from the orthodox stance as well. So you can uh, do some shifts, some switches, uh, backstep into a loaded counter, right? A um, lot of things you can do there, a lot of tricks. And he already does stuff amongst that neighborhood. He's got really good footwork. Um, he looks like he's got really good eyes for the takedown, quick on, on the down blocks, good hips. Um, scrambles well, a bit risky, like he'll go turtle and stuff, which always is like a big no-no for jujitsu guys. I'm a huge turtle fan. Shouts Eduardo Tellez. And I don't know if Jack Dedal and Madalena watched him tell us, but he actually hits like an Eduardo Tellez style sweep, which was pretty sweet in that contender series fight. Um, Anglusa, you know, for 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 whatever it's worth, um, even though he, he's not didn't come up in the American wrestling system, comes from the Congo and shit. One of longtime Kamara Usman training partners, one of his boys, and you can tell wrestling low key is is you know that guy's strong if he gets on top of you, but. Uh, what I want to go back and look at, they're actually uh, slips. I know one for sure was a slip. Another was either like a slip slash well-timed shot at the same time. A uh, confluence of uh, circumstances there happening for him to get on top of Jack Della Maddalena, who was still able to scramble out from bottom, right? So, again, hard to condemn him from there, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to say, oh, well, that surely he means he'll beat Ramazan Amiv. Like, we don't know that, right? Um... That being said, Ramazan Amiv, man, I've had a good beat on this guy. I think I've gotten all of his fights right. Um, I've, I've picked him pretty much every time, except against Danny Roberts. That was a nice little ticket to cash. Just because of activity, again, where we're, we're judges have been going, who's going to get the more impactful shots, right? Um, these are things I've been in trying to incorporate in my betting some time now before it became the hot, hot, hot topic, right? Um, it's just from watching the action. And if you watch the action when strikes are being exchanged, Amiv seems like he's getting the worst of it, you know? We got real misled. I, I got real misled, I should say, on Stolza uh, because of how well he did. But if you look at even the David Zawada fight and, and other fights, like, guys are having moments against this dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is not the same from when I watched him on the regional scene. And, and even some of those, like uh, Vasilevsky, who I did a... Uh, Thing like back in like seven years ago, I was studying him for ACB 50, and that's when I came across, across Ramazan Amiv for the first time. And um, he TKOs Amiv, you know, standing TKO fourth round, granted. But if you look at the fight, the the gist was he was just, uh, you know, scrambling free and then pressure boxing, scrambling free and then pressure boxing him. And um, Amiv doesn't like that. He isn't as aggressive as as I as came to memory when I went back to watch these fights either, and he will stand in front of guys for some time. He'll lunge forward, uh, throw the same shots, um, straight shots, but really kind of take himself out of position, really open for counters. The check right hook, counter left's going to be there all day for Jack Della Maddalena. Um, 
And I'm sure it'll be very breakdown worthy to, for my guy Ryan Payne if he likes those sort of southpaw shots. We could be in line for him. I was originally going to pick Jack Della Maddalena by decision um, as a little sprinkle, maybe, or play him you know, just straight up just to cover it. But now that it's kind of out of my liking, I actually parlayed him up. So he's in a parlay, which sounds crazy, I know. It's just a fun three-legged for some nice juice, though. And um, But the only uh, little sprinkle in that parlay I did was actually Maddalena's round two and three. I know fighter interviews, take it for a grain of salt, but uh, Jack, even in the regionals, he's always had a, been kind of a slow starter. Um you know, it takes a bit of time. Uh, even in the fights where he's getting it done in the first round or looking good in that first, you know, it'll take a little bit of that time. And he's, he knows he needs the finish here. And even though I could see him getting the, you know, just like Danny Roberts still being awarded for landing the more damaging shots, ultimately, if he's grappling or in there for three rounds with a Meave, that's, that's more chances for a Meave, more higher percentage he wins, more higher percentage he's having to grapple if he's in there for three rounds, more higher percentage he's not doing as well, right? Take the judges out of it, even though I feel like he can win a decision. And it seems like Della Maddalena has the same MO, which arguably is a smart call here. Go for the knockout. Me feels due for a knockout by arbitrary sure dog record breakdown to the actual analysis breakdown of watching the work and seeing that he's not taking shots as well. So what I did, I just played Jack Della Maddalena's what I suspect are going to be his money rounds, rounds two and three for as long as he's in three rounders. Because um, he said, I, I want to get a, sh uh, a finish later. Really later. That would be cool. So that see, he pretty much just saying round two and three. So I'm going to take Jack's word for it. Um, put point... Two zero units. That's twenty ducats. Um, not two units. Point two zero. Okay. Uh, on round two, at plus nine hundred. Um, round two KO at another house at plus one thousand. Um, back to the house where I'm playing just the rounds in. I also put round three plus fourteen hundred. Only point one seven U. That's seventeen ducats. Point one seven U. And the other house actually really bad odds. You actually get worse odds for round two KO or. Round three KO uh, plus twelve hundred. They're only giving you, but that's the only thing I could, you know. Again, gotta make up for it. So I did the same amount there. But yeah, that'll be nice. So essentially, it's plus nine hundred and plus fourteen hundred for the straight rounds there. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, next leg on the parlay: Sung Woo Choi minus two twenty-five. Josh Kulabao, Chossy Bao, uh, plus one eighty-five. Josh Kulabao seems like a really awesome dude. By the way, he's like my spirit animal. You know. You know. You know, uh, not athletic dude, but his, 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 you know, his head's there. You can tell he knows technique. He loves the game. No one's questioning that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think just the athletic different differential, the hard-hitting differential. Kulabao is going to be the better grappler. I believe he's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under his profile. But it's the small – and I know Sung Wu Choi is allergic to the cage and can give fights away when we got burned last time. But I feel like I was going to originally stay away from Choi because, like, you know, you get burned by somebody, you do that, uh, stay away. But that bias could work against you because maybe you're you're you got PTSD and what you're doing is you're missing on a potential spot. So um, I actually took Song Wu Choi here and just in the parlay, a one unit parlay with him and Mel Ma Della Madalena and someone else. Uh, who comes next? Brendan Allen, actually, minus 310 versus Jacob Malkoon, um, plus 245. I wanted to watch this one. I missed the price on. It was much lower. Open minus 190. It was in the two, lower 200s or, you know, again, when I was looking at it, and I wouldn't have maybe had to have used Choi. And I think I could still just get barely plus money if I just do Jack Della. Um, 
and Brandon Allen, but I'm like, I'm parlaying Jack Della, a contender series guy who opened as a dog who's now a favorite against a proven Russian. Like, I'm parlaying that guy in my parlay either way, so I might as well just fucking make it a three-leg, you know? It's not any more suspect at that point. <laughs> I love Jack Della, but you get what I'm saying, right? Because you can totally, totally and justifiably take that other perspective as well. Uh, but yes, back to the third leg. <laughs> there you go, Brandon Allen. Third leg, buddy. Louisiana long, baby. Uh, minus 310. <laughs> but yeah, I I wanted to watch it because, you know, you you go back and like, wait, how many people have actually like aggressively pursued takedowns? The only people that really shot takedowns on Brendan Allen meaningfully and recently were um, Sean Strickland, who gets who goes one for one in the first round, and um, uh, Kyle Dawkins, you know, and Kyle Dawkins is actually able to hit the singles. Um, the single legs, the same single legs that Malcoon goes for, uh, he spams every time. So that's definitely worrisome. Um, and, you know, Brendan Allen kind of, to his credit, you know, he thought he was going to finish Kyle Dawkins in the first. Maybe there's an adrenaline dump there. He usually doesn't go long in his fights. So he's tiring in the third round and got out grappled. But if Kyle Dawkins wasn't able to put him away, Malcoon won't be able to, but if he's not able to pull, put away Malcoon, maybe you get, you know, he loses the, the third round and you're maybe sweating and hoping that the other rounds weren't, you know, were, 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 were clear enough to the judges that Allen won, right? Or something like that, because Malcoon knows his game, but at the same time, you know, the guy's 5'9", 185, and there's a guy who's 5'9", and over 185 right now. I have no room to talk. I'm just saying, you know, against a tall, long Brendan Allen who's really been using those front teeps, kicks, knees... Um, he will go for guillotines, which worry me because he does, the, the, the booth says he's got a good guillotine, but in pros or amateurs doesn't have any guillotine or front headlock choke wins, but he does work decently from the front headlock, so I get that. Um, he was able to use it to reverse and deter Kyle Dawkins uh, with the first takedown, but then got um, paid for it the next two times he did it. So hopefully he did it smart enough to know that's Malcoon's only shot, but Malcoon's style of takedowns will definitely be tempting his neck because he loves to head outside. Um, but I think Brendan Allen can either um, get him out of there, club and sub, or knock him out with a knee um, before that or make it clear enough to where he can lose the third round um, and still pull it out. But because of those uncertainties, same with the Choi. I'm going to pick Choi by knockout too, by the way. Um, but it's uncertain. It could be a gre greasy decision. So I didn't want to expose myself any further um, than I already have with this parlay. So, yeah, I, I didn't prop him up with the little potential bonus props that I like to do only for Della Maddalena. But if Della Maddalena hits, I mean, he he covers this parlay and then some, even if it's the lower lowest of all the props. You know what I'm saying? Um, that hit. So there is that. Of course, if you pair up these three, um, Jack minus 125, Choi minus 230, Allen minus 310, for plus 212, I put a un one unit on that. So that is the parlay at play. Next fight, um, Mahashate plus 150. Steve Garcia minus 170. I'm going to go Steve Garcia here, but it's not super confident. Mahashate looks stupid athletic. You don't know how much he's going to improve. I didn't even go back to read my contender series right up on him. This was not a fight I wanted to target, and nor did really have, the had time to. Uh, Andre Filaho, baby. <laughs> Captain Filaho minus 145. Jake Matthews. Jake. Jake Matthews, Matthews, Lord of Jake Matthews in the crowd. It's gonna be a lot, lot, lot of Australians man, made the trip over, so it might feel like a home game for Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews also been preparing for this, preparing for a minute, um, almost like two camps now, 
Uh, looks like he's really focusing on strength and conditioning, which is not the worst thing considering that he tends to gas out in round three. Not in every fight, but like I believe like two out of the last three that ones in the third round he got tired in, right? And um, Fialho, not exactly the best gas tank, fighting on short notice, though he's in great shape because he's like fighting back-to-back. So as long as he's not injured, Fialho's gas tank actually should be pretty good. But still, Fialho's not beyond getting tired or getting hurt. He gets hurt in almost like every fight. And that's what I kind of remind people. And I know I got burnt by betting against him against Baeza. Um, and I picked the other fights right, both picking against him and a forum. I just didn't play it for one reason or another, right? Um, and I like Fialho, but you know he can be taken down. You watch that fight against Glyco Franca, another similarly sized, overgrown lightweight, um, who I don't know how, how he ever made lightweight too, by the way. Um, he just, I know it's a no contest for like drugs, I think, or some or whatever, but like if you watch the fight, he's taking down Fialo over and over again. I think he even hurts him at one point. Um, Fialo hurts him too, but he's able to recover and get takedowns whenever he pretty much needs to. Um, and that's something I've been saying. He can be taken down when you want to take him down. He can be hurt when you strike with him. And I feel like there's going to be some overcorrecting the steering wheel, right? Where he's like, he's on this roll, but like even proven guys that were more skilled, more diverse, more proven higher ceilings like Cowboy Cerrone's in the world, like all iterations of Cowboy's career, what would happen when he would do these short notice runs? It catches up to you, right? And, you know, after a few fights, it catches up to you. Um, and not even a few sometimes. And this guy's not even at that level. And, you know, say what you about Matthews can be inconsistent. Um, most of his is like superior grapplers. You know, he's only got one knockout loss, and that was a TKO, and that was to Kevin Lee. Um, that was a, due to a back mount where he couldn't go anywhere. You know, has Matthews been rocked? Yes, he has, but it's not a lot. He recovers well, and he's, he's gotten a lot better. Arguably, most of his improvements in the recent parts of his career has been his striking. Um, he's got a deceptive right hand that I could see rocking Fialo here. The problem, potential problem is is that Fialo's got a really good left hook, and we saw with the Brady fight, uh, and Din Thomas beautifully called it, you know. Um Matthews was showing left hook availabilities. I don't know if he fixed it in time um, against a guy like uh, Filaho, so that's going to be live. But if he gets rocked, you know, uh, I I like to think Matthews has got that big chin. I mean, he doesn't go out cold. Maybe he just kind of gets rocked but can, you know, compose himself, shoot a takedown, and just get takedowns. And if he can't finish, because, again, he's not exactly game over, although he's a talented black belt. Um I feel like he can get enough damage. He does some good uh, some good ground and pound. He works really good from top side. Um, he can get rounds and make Filaho uh, tired. Um, so I actually ended up... I came in this one leaning toward Filaho, and I actually ended up um, both picking and actually ended up playing Matthews. Um, I'm playing Glover. I'll play uh, another experienced, more ex- experienced uh, UFC grappler, right? Uh, Matthews, plus 120, one unit. Um, why not? Uh, Dana Batgury, uh, minus one forty. Uh, Kyung Ho Kang, plus one twenty. How did this open? Kang open plus one thirty. A little bit of money came in on him. Um, I'll go Dana Batgury. I didn't tape this fight. It just Kyung Ho Kang. Um, uh, didn't he like either win or not put away some guy with one leg or something? I forget. And then just. Inconsistent, getting older, reliant on wrestling, um, big cage, judging trends, activity. I'll go Batgury, but nothing crazy here, folks. I didn't research it clearly, nor did I research Silvana Gomez Juarez, who 
it is the minus one thirty five versus Leon now plus one fifteen. Um, I will. Um, hmm, this is tough. I actually picked uh, Liang Na. She's she seems like she'll gas, and then can get knocked out. But at the same time, Juarez can like almost knock people out and then just get insta sub as soon as it goes to the ground. And Liang Na, I believe she wrestles herself into a hole against the last girl she fought. Um, but at least she, you know she gets after her game, right? Yeah, Ariane Carnalosa, yeah. But at least she you know gets after her game. So I guess I'll I'll. Mm. Yeah, I'll reluctantly pick her. Um, Jocelyn Edwards versus Ramona Pasquale. Edwards minus 160, Pasquale plus 140. I'll go with Edwards. She's working with, um, you know, probably, just, you know, I, I don't know how close it is, but she's working with some of the Extreme Couture coaches, and Nate, Nate Pettit's down there with her. I know Ramona Pasquale has some Vegas ties as well. She's a big athlete. Um, they both can tire, which means if this goes long, it's going to look so fucking bad and awful. Um, I'm guessing that's why this is the first card in the fight. Yeah, I'll go Edwards. No play. All right. How long did we do? 124. Not too bad, I guess. All right. Recapping. Taking Glover's Garage, baby. Glover the Lover to Shara. Taking over, over Prochachka. Taking Shevchenko over Santos. Taking... Zhang over Yan Jacek taking Cop over Bontorin taking Telemadalina over Ameve taking Choi over Chasubao taking mm, Chasubao taking Allen over Malkoon taking Garcia over Misha Tedi taking Fila oh, taking Matthews over Filaho uh, Andre Filaho I picture him like as like Shooter McGavin you know when like Shooter McGavin invades Happy Gilmore is like uh dreams and it's like he's in like a black button up and he's like kiss French kissing the grandma and he's sticking the tongue out with his hands out like that's how I picture feel ho on the dance floor baby he's just he didn't care what age taking everybody's girl all right taking Matthews over over feel ho taking Nana over Kyung Ho Kong taking Liang Na over uh, Gomez Juarez taking Edwards over Pasquale um plays um Parlayed Allen, Choi, and Jack de la Madalena for plus 212 for a unit. Uh, one unit on Glover, plus 175. One unit on Matthews, plus 120. Glover Yuri under 1.5, plus 100, one unit. Glover round two, uh, plus 1,000. Um, sprinkled on that, 0.15 and one house for the free play, and then made it back and doubled it in the other, 0.33. Shevchenko Santos over 3.5 at minus 165 for two units. Cop Cajun Bontorin over 2.5 plus 110 for a unit. Jack Della Madalena round two plus 900.20 unit. Round three plus 1400.17 units. Also played those parallels for varying numbers with the round two KO props. Zhang, I didn't play inside the distance at plus 325 or sprinkle on sub plus 1200, but I may if those things. Uh, more often hit than don't by the time that fight comes around. Good luck on whatever you guys are playing. Thank you guys again for all the love and support out there. My self-esteem is all fucked up and I, I, I don't know what to do with it half the time. But uh, I'll keep you guys abreast of what's next for me. Until then, you can always find me here, the Protect Connect Podcast, at the PYM Podcast on all social flat, pat, platforms. Uh, at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah... 
like, share, subscribe, support. Um, you know, and if it's a winning night, you know, who knows? Maybe we got the, we hit the uh, the old PayPal donation link or in the old Amazon or uh, click-throughs there on the uh, mixedmarshallanalyst.com who hosts this site. Till then, good luck with your picks and plays, folks, and always protect your neck.